0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lifeguard Podcast. With me today, I have my good friend Teddy here. Uh, Teddy, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Santino Garcia. Most people know me as Teddy. Um, I'm a rookie actor here in El Paso, Uh, but I also really love to cook. uh, people have often said that they really enjoy my cooking. They love all the stuff that I can make. Uh, but I do want to be a little bit transparent. I am no expert on cooking. Uh, I'm just like everyone, any, anybody else out there that just loves cooking. I like to research, learn new things. I'm not perfect at it. And just like everybody else, I make mistakes. That's awesome, Teddy. That's awesome.
0: What what got you into cooking?
1: Ooh, that's a good question okay uh what got me into cooking was my grandma uh, that that's pretty I'm pretty sure she's the reason that I started getting real into cooking when uh at a very young age um I used to bounce between houses because I used to live in Las Cruces with my mom but every other weekend we would come over to my grandparents house uh you know to hang out and you know be with them and I would wake up super duper early like crack of dawn, 630 in the morning. And this is when I was like in elementary. So I'm a little kid doing this. And I would help my grandma prepare breakfast in the morning. And being little, I couldn't make like big things. So she would just have me like, you know, butter bread and toast it on the, on the stove. And uh, I'd I'd flip pancakes on occasion. So I guess that is what really started uh, that fascination with cooking.
0: That's really cool, Teddy. Did Did your grandma have any, like, secret recipes that she'd let you in on when, when she'd cook, or, or not really?
1: <laughs> See, um, it was never, like, a secret recipe that she would teach me. It was always some kind of, like, little trick, you know what right. I mean? Because my grandma's old school. She's old school, and uh, she, she was born in Mexico, so she, all the stuff she knows how to cook is mainly Mexican cuisine, and... She's never really used like measuring cups or or, or measurements of any kind. Really, she kind of just eyeballs it and kind of just goes off of what uh, she remembers. Right. So just be like, she'll just you know, she'll pour some rice in a, in a thing with some water and she'll be like, "All right, it's good to go." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "You're not gonna measure that?" She's like, "You mean measure? I don't measure. It. I, I just make it." And I mean, growing up, I've always loved her cooking. It's, I've never really had anything that I didn't like from my grandma. You know right. what I mean? Oh yeah.
0: I think, I think for us, grandma's cooking is like the best cooking you can ever have, right?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Because you never know what it is that they do. But every time you try to recreate what they made, you can. There's always something off about it. But when they make it, it comes out right. Every single Oh, time. of
0: course. I can relate because my grandma used to make bread before she passed away. She used to make this special um, this special bread. I think it was carrot cake, actually. And uh, oh, I never okay. used to like carrot cake until she made it. And I, I inherited the recipe, but I can never get it to come out the same way that she makes it or that she made it. You know what I mean? It's, it's always. It, yeah,
1: there's something about it. It's it's that special touch, man. It's that it's that grandmother's love that you just can't recreate on your own.
0: Right. So, okay, so that actually that's a good question, Teddy. What what do you think of that expression made with love? Can something be made with
1: love? Oh, most definitely. You see, a lot of people kind of kind of get the the saying kind of a misconstrued. They always just go, "Oh, well, that just means that someone makes it with their own special touch." That's not exactly true. In my experience, making something with love doesn't mean you just go, "Oh, I love making." No, making something with love means that you put all your effort and care into making something.
0: So, do you? So, are you pro experimentation in cooking? Do you think that's what makes a meal? Uh,
1: yes, I am actually pretty pro experimentation in cooking, um, but obviously, there's a line. Of experimentation like you don't want to go out and be like oh let's have medium rare chicken today like, no, no 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 no, that's that's a little too far right well i i'm pro like uh you know testing new things out and trying new flavors because uh i've always lived with this sort of idea that like you know i can't eat the same thing for an entire week and then be happy to do it again the very next week right. you know what i mean i gotta have some kind of variety right you know, even with like something as simple as a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, occasionally I'm gonna put something else in that sandwich to make it that much more better. Whether it's like uh, a couple slices of banana, or I switch out uh, the type of jelly that I use, or even just the bread. Right. You know, there's always gotta be something that'll add to that, and eventually, you experiment enough, you figure out what becomes like your favorite way to make something. Do you think something can get outdated because like?
0: When, when I was a kid, now that you bring up the, the peanut butter and jelly example, when I was a kid, I used to eat like Nutella sandwiches. I still do. So it's literally just the bread with Nutella spread on it, and that's the sandwich. But right. I used to put like ham and cheese in there, too. And I used to think it tasted amazing. And I tried it again recently, and I thought it was the most horrid thing that I've ever tried in my life. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I had to
1: throw it away. So- um with the with the way you worded that outdated I think that things can get outdated in terms of food I mean if you go look at a cookbook from the 40s all of the, the the amount of gelatin in recipes from the 40s is astounding like they made a gelatin everything like just recently I watched a video where these guys on YouTube decided to make this recipe from an old recipe book and it was a uh, Fiesta three cheese gelatin and when they made it, it looked like a big white block oh, of like of jello like a big white block of jello and then they threw some like seasoning on it and they were like well this is the recipe and i looked at that and i'm like this is insane Dang. like who makes this willingly That's how, yeah
0: that sounds like it would be horrible why do you think <laughs> that they put so much gelatin in there ted
1: i i think that was a a, a staple of the times you know like in in that era You know, we didn't have the same kind of like, I guess I'll call it a food economy. You know what I mean? Like not everybody had access to every type of thing, but something like gelatin was readily available. And when you made something with gelatin, you could technically keep it for a lot longer and eat it more often. So it
0: was kind of like a preservative, I guess.
1: Yes, exactly. Oh, man. And I mean, you you know, people. You look at recipes, and you'll see like they're sweet recipes with like you know peanuts and like uh, sugar, fruit. And then you look at other recipes, and it's like, oh, we're gonna do meat, cheese, and then we're gonna mix together with gelatin and make this like Jello thing. <laughs> and a lot of them were there were party pieces, which was even weirder for wow. me. Like I was kind of just like, you 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 made this for a party. And you know they would like oh like, oh buy this mold so it looks pretty and make sure you do this to it and it's like wow this is this is a little strange right like a like a white block of bundt cake <laughs> exactly that's exactly what it is so I think that yes recipes can become outdated but in the case that you were telling me with the Nutella sandwich where you would put ham and cheese when you were younger that I think is simply your taste buds evolving really. And I'll give you an example. Yeah, because t- your taste buds will change over time. And I- and I'll tell you this: when I was younger, I could not stand gravy, or sauerkraut, or even um, oh, what was it? I used to hate. Uh, oh, I used to really. I used to hate fried chicken. Really? Like completely. Oh mm-hmm. wow! I used to hate it. When I was younger, if we get fried chicken, I would take the skin off, and that would like just pick at the meat, and then I would I would never finish a full piece.
0: You know what? I used to be the same. I used to take the skin off of my fried chicken too, and now I, I can't get enough of it.
1: Exactly. See, that's just your taste What's changing. I mean, uh, another example is that I used to not like eating guacamole or avocado in any way or form. Now, I'm always just like, man, I need some, avo- I need some guacamole on my tacos or <laughs> I'll get avocado and put it in my chicken sandwiches. That's like, a real taco. It, it, it's just – yeah, and it just changes over time. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's strange. I've never really understood why our taste buds react the way they do with age.
0: So do you think maybe – that's why recipes have to be doctored over time, is because maybe they're not as great as we once remembered
1: them. Yes, I think that's actually a, that's actually a really good um, statement. Because I mean, in, in the end, no matter how good you think something is, there's always a way to improve it. I mean, look at um, look at preserved food or like look at box food these days. You know, back it back when. Uh, like frozen meals were first coming out, they used to have completely different types of menus back then. You know, we never used to have uh, beer battered chicken with potato wedges and cheese, or uh, sal- you know, Salisbury steak's the classic one. But even then, the Salisbury steak meal has been doctored and changed and updated over years and years of production because you know times change. Not only that, technology changes, people change. That's why, uh, like, with, um, with the vegan craze now, and I call it a craze, but in reality, you know, it's a way of life. People choose to do that, and I respect that. But, I mean, if you think about it, uh, 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't a million different choices for vegan food out there.
0: Right, right so now yeah see what yeah. i mean
1: like over time things just change exactly. people have to update people have to move on and create new things so people continue to buy and continue to eat and continue to grow it with their culinary tastes so so do you think that that's part of like a health kind of thing like a
0: cooking kind of thing or an economic kind of thing
1: i honestly feel like it's a bit of both you know Because whenever you see some kind of great big movement or some kind of craze that happens, suddenly there's brand new products within the very next month that it starts to happen. Right. And of course, if people are in that craze, people are in that mindset, in that type of lifestyle, they're going to go after those products and buy them.
0: What's, What's your opinion on fresh versus frozen food? Frozen or canned food?
1: Oh, okay. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I love, I love this question. Um, I personally am okay with everything, because uh, I've grown up eating everything. Like I've had fresh broccoli before. I've had canned broccoli, and I've also had frozen. You know, so you can, you know. Once you've eaten every, once you've eaten all kinds of different things like that, you kind of figure out, okay, this is what tastes like this. This tastes like that. And you kind of just got to figure out, okay, well, what will work best in the scenario that I'm cooking with these things? Like I personally – I love getting uh, frozen fruit. It works really well in smoothies. Really? Yeah, frozen fruit works extremely well in smoothies. I find that if you use fresh fruit, while it does get the same effect, it, you still get the nutrients, you still get the fruit – Fresh fruit often leaves you with a bit more grit than you would if you get frozen fruit.
0: Okay, that makes sense. I've never not thought only, of it that way before.
1: Yeah, and not only that, you you, you get less um, water if you use uh, frozen fruit. Because if you use fresh fruit, you have to put in ice because you need something to you know cool everything down and make it a smoothie. If you use frozen fruit, you, have, you can use way less ice because you already have the ice from the frozen fruit.
0: Right. Oh, that makes sense. So, so let's go back to cooking, Teddy. What is your style of cooking? What, what, what would you like to make? What-
1: <laughs> um, that's a, that's a good question. I, uh, well, I say that a lot. Sorry. Um, I don't really have a style of cooking. I, I, I I'm just, you know, a, a very base level cook, uh, if anything. Because I've, I've, I've grown up making a lot of different kinds of food, you know, I grew up obviously in a Hispanic household. So I grew up and learned a lot of Mexican cuisine, uh, and Puerto Rican cuisine. But, you know, living in America, you also have those options that kind of get thrown at you like, oh, hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, milkshakes, you know, the, the continental cuisine. So I also learned how to make that kind of thing. But you know, growing up, I would also watch uh, Food Network a lot. You know, I'd watch things like Emerald and uh, Iron Chef America. Uh, I'd watch Bobby Flay, Rachel Ray, um, Martin Yan, uh, things like Unwrapped with Mark Summers. So I was introduced to all these different cuisines and all these different kinds of food. So I would go and I'd learn how to make those things as well. So, I mean, if you, know, you ask me, hey, uh, can you make uh, dumplings? And I'm, I'll ask you, like, oh, what kind, Russian or Chinese? Because those are two completely different types wow. of dumplings. Okay. Uh, uh, if someone can ask, someone will ask me, oh, what's fair favorite thing to make? I'm like, oh, well, kind of depends. Uh, I really enjoy making hamburgers, but I can also go and make some jerk chicken as well. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't really have a style of cooking. I just... Enjoy cooking. I'm just, I just, I just cook whatever uh, I happen to be in in the mood for that day.
0: So, so you you talk about being brought up in a Hispanic household where some of our staples are beans and rice, right? And there, those are fairly inexpensive right. foods. Somebody can go to Walmart and buy them for probably under ten dollars. Do you think that those inexpensive foods can be made fanciful?
1: Oh of course, inexpensive foods can be made fanciful as long as you have a little bit of know-how and a little bit of a of a curious experimentation in your heart. Uh, I have always lived by the belief that just because something is cheap doesn't mean that it's not worth anything. You know what I mean? Uh, do you eat top ramen or you know ramen noodles at all? Like uh, I love instant top ramen. ramen. Okay, cool. So uh, for top ramen, for example, It's probably one of the easiest things to spice up and make uh, a bit more, uh, should I say, in-depth. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be a bit more fancy. It's going to be a bit more plentiful if you do just a few little things to it. Did you know that you can stir-fry ramen noodles? You can – really? Yes, you can. You can stir-fry them. Can you tell me how? Of course, uh, there's a few different ways to do it. The way that I have tried doing it is it's with egg. So what you do is you, um, you start, you start, you know, get a pan, you get a pot of water, you boil the noodles. And once the noodles are, uh, are rehydrated and they're, you know, you know, bouncy and stringy, you drain the water and then you toss the noodles into a pan with some egg and a little bit of soy sauce. If you feel, if you feel a little spicy about it, um, and then you you, 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 you know you start stirring them together and you stir fry it. Wow. I did not know that, Teddy. Yeah, you could actually even throw in peanut butter and make a sort of Thai uh, cuisine type of noodle because Thai, Thai cuisine has a lot of peanuts in it. And it's just – you can just – there are little things you can do to food that's inexpensive just to make it better. Not even necessarily better, but to make it a bit more hearty and a bit more filling. So
0: Teddy why why it sounds like you've come up with or you've you've seen so many recipes for household items to to doctor them and make them more fanciful why do you think people are so afraid of cooking
1: That's a that's, a, that's you know that's a that's always been something that I've had on my mind for a very long time I've always wondered why people are so afraid of cooking cuz I I know people and I'll ask them like oh well do you uh do you cook? And they'll they'll say, well, no, I'm afraid to, or I don't know how. And, you know, it's always boggled my mind. I'm like, how do you not know? It's so simple. I mean, making a grilled cheese is cooking, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, You know, following the recipes on a box is cooking. It's it's that simple. Uh, I think people are afraid of cooking because there's a lot, there's a lot of room for error in cooking. Or they think that there's not a lot of room for error in cooking. I should say. Um, they think that if they mess up once, they're never going to be able to cook again. That they'll that they'll just get so discouraged that they fail that they'll never want to attempt it again. And to people that think that out there, hear you know, listen to me when I tell you this: just because you mess up, doesn't mean it's the end of the world.
0: So what? So Teddy, so what's what's something that someone might be afraid of to cook but might be really easy like what, what what's a dish that somebody could cook to conquer their fear of
1: cooking Ooh, interesting hmm so i've i've heard that the hardest thing to make is an egg that's the hardest thing in the world to make honestly and uh, while it may, while people may have their own opinions on the subject matter, I think it's kind of a, kind of true because the egg is such a simple thing, but you can mess it up in a matter of seconds. And I think that if somebody sat down, whether it took them a day or two just to practice making an egg the way they wanted their egg to come out and they perfected it, they'd never have to be afraid of cooking ever again. Because they have conquered the hardest thing to cook.
0: Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I That's an interesting take on that. And you see, I think a lot of people think practice makes perfect. I think practice just makes you suck less.
1: Yeah, honestly. Because to this day, and I've, I've been cooking, I'm going to say, for about – like, like con- consistently cooking for about four years maybe five wow i think it's about five years now like just consistently cooking like going out of my way to make my own meals um and i still mess up on the simplest things things that i've been making for like you know time and time again i'll still occasionally mess it up so teddy for somebody
0: who wants to um i guess cook or further their cooking, how would you pursue a career in food? And is that something that you would want to do for yourself?
1: Pursuing a career in food. See, I've thought about it and you know, if if acting never did doesn't work out, then I'd probably go out of my way to try to become a cook. Like a professional cook. I don't know about chef, but I wouldn't mind being a cook. You know, going and like working in a restaurant, making food for people. Or like starting my own like food truck. That'd be fun. What Um, kind of food truck? That's a good question. I I think I'd want to do breakfast sandwiches or like breakfast food.
0: Oh, that sounds great. I don't think we have one of those.
1: Yeah, just roll around town and be like, yeah, you want some pancakes? Like I'll make pancakes. (laughs) I do uh, bagel sandwiches and everything. I got cream cheese in the back. Like I think that'd be fun, you know. Right. But that's if uh, my my pursuit of acting doesn't really go anywhere, which you never know. That's life. You got to just be prepared for things like that. Would you want
0: anyone? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, just to finish the the, the the answer to the question. But to anyone that's trying to like pursue cooking, I would say, you know, watch watch some tea. Watch some of those cooking shows, the ones that kind of like teach you like how to cook alongside somebody, you know, Just to get yourself kind of like in the mindset of like, okay, you know, this is how you would cook normally. Get yourself in a routine, Uh, familiarize yourself with your kitchen at home. That way you can practice on your own time. Because in the end, if you're making yourself food, you're practicing without even knowing it. Um, And then I would say if somebody really wants to pursue cooking as a career, You know, culinary schools, uh, there are culinary programs in a lot of places. I know that um, we have one here in El Paso at uh, EPCC. I believe they do a baking course so you can learn how to bake. And that's also an important thing to know. But, uh, you know, just practice and learn to enjoy food as it is, you know, uh, and put yourself in the mindset that you're not – Cooking food because you have to cook food. You're cooking food because you want to cook food. For
0: right now, cooking is just your way of enjoying food. It's more about enjoying food for you.
1: Yeah, uh, it's more just about enjoying food as a concept and food as a as as a substance. You know, because I mean, we all need to eat. You know, regardless right. of who you are, eventually you're gonna have to eat something. Right for survival. You know. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, why not make it fun? Why not enjoy it? You know, cuz if I'm if I'm walking into the kitchen like, "Oh, I got to make something, I'm hungry." And then I'm not enjoying what I'm making, then why eat it? Why would, why would I eat something that I didn't enjoy making?
0: So, Teddy, somebody that's that's been listening and somebody that's been inspired and and says, "Hey, I, I want to go to the kitchen right now." Right now, at the end of this podcast, and I want to, I want to make something for myself. What is a dish that they could make for themselves? And can you walk us how to do that? Walk us through how to do that. Ooh, something, ooh, something interesting.
1: Simple.
0: Something a little easy, you know.
1: Mm, let me think. Let me think.
0: What about a grilled cheese sandwich?
1: Oh, that's true. I can do a grilled cheese. You know what? Even better, a grilled cheese sandwich and a milkshake. Very, very okay. simple to make.
0: So, Teddy, walk us through how to make a grilled cheese sandwich and a milkshake for somebody who wants to make themselves something to eat.
1: All right. So walk into your kitchen. Very, very simple process, hopefully. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, you're going to need very, very little to make grilled cheese. Uh, You'll need your choice of bread, whichever that may be. Um, A pan, whether it's a sandwich press or a normal just pan that you can you know, cook things on like pancakes, a frying pan, if you will, uh, or even a cast iron. Cast iron would be perfect, but <laughs> we're working with everybody here. Let's just say, get a pan, uh, your choice of bread, your choice of cheese, and either mayonnaise or butter, or margarine if you're not into the butter type of thing. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to heat up a pan, I would say on medium- Maybe medium-high heat, depending on the type of, type of pan you're using. If you're using a cast iron, you, you want to get that thing hot. But if you're using a normal frying pan, medium-high medium, medium high heat is what works best. You don't want to get this super-duper hot because if you get it too hot, you're going to burn your bread and you're not going to cook your cheese. So what you want to do is obviously get your bread. Um, and whatever cheese you're using, let's say for this example, plain sliced cheese that you buy at the store. You know, put a couple slices pieces of sliced cheese on there, and then make your sandwich. And once you've done that, you're essentially ready to go. Now, me personally, I like to use a very small spread of mayonnaise on my bread because it toasts up really nice. Um, Or you can use butter, whether it's just buttering the pan or buttering your bread. Now, I would say don't go too heavy on either. Because if your bread gets too, your bread will get too greasy. And I know that uh, a very greasy sandwich isn't exactly everyone's preference. So if you don't want it to be too, too heavy, just go real light on your spread and keep an eye on your, on your heat and your bread. So once you've got your thing assembled, so you got, you know, bread, cheese, bread, your smear of mayonnaise, butter, or margarine, you put that in your pan and, you know, you have one – you're buttering the outsides of your bread, not the insides because then you're going to just get buttery or gross cheese on the inside. You want your <laughs> bread to get toasted. <laughs> so you put your butter and stuff on the outside and you put it in your pan. And, you know, you start to you, – you, you let it sit there for a little bit. You'll hear it sizzle. And the, the beauty of this recipe is that you can check it without compromising your sandwich. All you got to do is kind of just lift it up a little bit with a spatula or whatever you're using. And just check your bread, make sure that it's not burning. If it's crisping up too fast and your cheese isn't melting, turn down the heat. And just be patient. The biggest mistake people make with things like sandwiches is that they rush. Is that they think putting everything on high heat is gonna make it go by faster. No, not the case. Just because something is super hot does not mean it's gonna cook all the way. So always keep that in mind. You know, take your time, enjoy the process. Because before you know it, after you flip your sandwich and you see that golden brown, you know, crispy bread, and you can kind of see the cheese seeping out a little bit, you'll, you'll know that you're doing something right. You'll know that what you're doing is worth it. Um, and that shouldn't take very long. I'm going to say maybe five minutes because it's just a grilled cheese. You're not making a, a tuna melt or anything. And, you know, once your your bread is toasted up real nice and your cheese is melty and gooey, you go ahead, put it on whatever plate you're going to want to put it on, turn the heat off, put your stuff off to the side so nothing gets burnt. Um, And my advice to anybody is if you want it to maintain that nice ooey gooey texture, do not cut your sandwich until you're about to eat it. Now, if you're making a classic milkshake, you actually don't use ice cream at all. Classic milkshakes are literally milk and ice. Really? Yep, and a little bit of sugar, and so, that essentially makes a classic milkshake.
0: So but you just spice it up however you want. And that's it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, let's just let's 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 uh, let's say a chocolate milkshake because that's a classic flavor as well. Let's say, you know, you get you get like about a, you know, get yourself a few, a few ice cubes. I would say seven to eight because you don't want too little because then you're not going to get a milkshake. You're going to get just cold milk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would get about, you know, seven to eight ice cubes, pop them in a blender and then you pour in some milk. Uh, you kind of have to eyeball it depending on how much of a milkshake you want to make, whether you want a big one or a small one. Um You pour in some chocolate syrup, and you blend it together. Wow,
0: that sounds really easy, Ted.
1: Yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, Making a milkshake with ice ice cream is the same process, but just replace the ice with ice cream.
0: That sounds awesome. I think I'm going to have to make myself a grilled cheese and a milkshake after we end this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, that's how simple things can be. You know, people try to make cooking this big, arduous task, but in reality, it's as simple as just putting something together and throwing it on a plate. Friend.
0: All right, Teddy. Well, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. It was truly a blast to have you on. Uh, I know that I definitely learned something about cooking, and I hope our listeners learned something about cooking too. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Stay tuned, or staying for staying tuned. If you made it this far. And uh, don't forget that you can shoot me a message or you can shoot Teddy a message through Anchor. If you have any more questions about cooking, feel free to ask and we'll answer them.
1: Most definitely. And any questions at all, guys, don't worry. I am pretty much an open book. (laughs) And if I don't know it and someone else doesn't know it, guess what? In the end, we're both going to learn something new today.
0: (laughs) There you go. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you for for being on this podcast, and thank you for sharing all that knowledge.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me. I was glad to be here.
0: All right, everyone. Well, we're going to end the episode here. I hope you learned something, and I want everybody to have a great day and make it a great day. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.